Friends, it's good to be with you this morning. My name is Adam, and it's my joy to be the senior pastor here at our church. Uh, I want to tell you about uh, someone I saw speak at a conference. Her name is Dondi Plowman. She's the chancellor at the University of Tennessee. She's a leader I look up to very much. And at this conference I heard her speak at, she defined leadership, I, I think, in the, in the most succinct and best way I've ever heard. Donnie Plowman said, leadership is the willingness to act to make something better. I love that. I think we find ourselves in a time where there's a leadership vacuum, where less and less people are willing to act to make something better. Two fields of public service that I think are an example of this that are facing increased scrutiny and pressure are uh, educators and law enforcement officers. Listen to some of these numbers. Since 2006, the number of education degrees conferred by universities in America has dropped by 22%. Uh, And the Police Executive Research Forum has reported that uh, there's a 45% increase in the number of retirements in 2020 and 2021 compared to the previous year. And, And if you look online, you can read about departments across the country are struggling to, to find and retain a qualified applicants for the jobs available. Leadership's really hard, and, and pressure and scrutiny only add uh, to the difficulty. Now, I, I'm not suggesting that teachers or law enforcement officers should have no standards of accountability. That's not what I'm suggesting. But I think we would certainly agree that if you're a law enforcement officer or a teacher, you're not getting into it for all the money, any teachers say or law enforcement officers say amen? And so when you're doing this job largely out of goodwill, uh, that, that, that you want the greater good for people, and, and then I, I imagine it would be depleting when the goodwill of the people for you seems to be running short, in short supply. I, I mean, just one example of a decision educators have to make, like this, this fall, uh, our, our, our own school system will have to make a policy decision on requiring masks for kids. And if they say, yes, masks are required, people are going to be upset. And if they say, no, masks aren't going to be required, people are going to be upset. Is that a job anybody wants to sign up for? Right? And while some in leadership have seen an increase in, in scrutiny and pressure, other positions of leadership in our society, seem to have a decrease in accountability. Now, you can pick your flavor, red or blue, okay? But we have politicians who, who are uh, uh, removed from office in disgrace and then turn around and run for another office. I don't understand it. Now, I'm not going to stay there long. Let me pick on my own industry, shall, shall I? Uh, Let me talk about clergy. We've got too many folks, and one is too many. Uh, Committing moral failure, uh, leveraging the power dynamics of their position uh, to prey on people, or or using using gifts given for ministry for their own financial gain. And it leaves a wake of destruction. And what happens to them? They take another, they just go to another church. Again, I, I don't understand. There's no accountability And it harms people and the witness of Christians everywhere. It diminishes the good news of Jesus. Now, I'm a positivity guy. 
So I, I don't like to start off a sermon, a message with wah wah, but I think we need to take stock of reality because whether you're in public service or not, there's a lot at stake. Second Corinthians 5 tells us, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Friends, we live in a time when cynicism is high and leadership is lacking. Now, you may not think of yourself as a leader, but everybody leads at least one person themselves. And everyone who is a Christian has the opportunity each and every day to represent much more than themselves. We have the opportunity to be an ambassador for Christ. And it's to these opportunities we're going to turn our attention in this message. And so what I hope we'll discover as we study God's word together is prepare yourself so when God opens a door, you can walk through it. In the series, O is for Leadership, we're going to be tracing the life of Paul, uh, the ministry of the Apostle Paul, through opportunity, obstacles, obedience, and outcomes. Those are the four O's of leadership. And the inspiration for this series came from a Fellowship of Christian Athletes article, uh, which our own uh, leadership team member and my good friend Eric Nauman uh, used as a devotion at one of our meetings. And so we tend to cite Paul a lot because Paul was a major factor, a key player in the second half of the Bible called the New Testament. Paul wrote a significant amount of our scripture. So let's get acquainted with them, starting in Acts 9, verses 1 through 6. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now, wait, 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 wait. Are we talking about Saul or Paul? It's confusing, right? Because those, those names rhyme. They, they sound very similar. Uh, the original Saul was the most famous alum of the tribe of Benjamin. It was Israel's first king, Saul. This is who Saul was named after. That was his Jewish name, Saul. Uh, Saul was born in Tarsus, uh, probably around the same time as Jesus. You can kind of see it in the uh, lower right hand there. Saul's father was also a Roman citizen, and we'll get into that later. So Saul was Saul's Jewish name. Paulus is, is a Latin name. That was, that was Paul's, or Saul's, Roman name. So he went by both. Uh, the Bible tells us this in Acts 13. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, right? So Saul, Jewish name, Paul, Roman name. Also they rhyme. Uh, Saul was born a Jew in Tarsus, and he was brought up in Jerusalem and studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. So Paul was a star student. I'm going to kind of interchange those. I tried to be consistent. Saul was a star student. He was zealous for God. And in a way, he, he was kind of like a bounty hunter for early Christians. Uh, he was breathing murderous threats against them, and he sought permission from his higher-ups to take them prisoner back to Jerusalem, which could and did lead to their execution. Before the name Christians, that, that, that means little Christ. We see that come along in the book of Acts. But before Christians were known as such, uh, the, the religion, if you will, or the practice of the teachings of Jesus was called the way, the way. And we read that, uh, both Sherry and I have read that already from Acts 9. So Saul is driven by what he views as faithfulness. He's trying to stamp out the way. He wants to eliminate these people from practicing this. And then in his efforts to do that, he actually encounters the way, the truth, and the life himself. 
This is verse three of chapter nine. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Jesus is appearing to Saul. And that's why Saul or Paul claims the title apostle. An apostle was someone who who learned directly from Jesus and was sent into ministry by Jesus. This opportunity would change Saul's life. It would change the trajectory of the early church, and it would change the course of human history, what we're reading about today. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the rest of Acts 9 talks about Saul's conversion. So again, Saul and Paul were the same person. Uh, what we see is, is later, and we'll talk about this, when Paul begins his ministry to the Gentiles, he goes by his Roman name, but in a largely Jewish setting, he goes by Saul. So Saul doesn't suddenly start to be, become known as Paul after this. That was already kind of in the mix. And then Ananias comes in Acts 9 and prays over Saul. And then Saul puts his faith in Jesus and is baptized. You can read about all this in Acts 9. Saul continued his journey to Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? See, Saul's circumstances... And his preparation combined into a unique opportunity to be used by God. In the same chapter of Acts, we read God saying to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. Paul was uniquely qualified to be a bridge, both ethnically and geographically. The early church was based in Jerusalem and was largely Jewish uh, ethnically and culturally. So Saul was not only equipped to be fluent in this religion and culture as a Jew, but he was also politically able to operate in other cultures and other parts of the ancient Near East as a Roman citizen. So Paul was God's chosen instrument. This is also illustrative of the character of God to choose Paul. In Paul's own words, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. And you can hear this belief that we read just a minute ago in Acts 9. Wait, wait, wait. This, this, is, this guy? The, the, the one who came here to take prisoners and, and decided to preach instead? This is, this is the guy. Friends, if God can make his enemy into his messenger, then what can God do with us? God chose Paul as an instrument to illustrate that there is no one beyond his gracious reach. And the last verse I want us to read today from Acts 9 is one of the more haunting verses for me. Uh, after God describes Paul to Ananias as my chosen instrument, God also says, 
I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Paul's mission would be to take the good news out from Jerusalem and the surrounding areas to the Gentiles. Now, Gentiles is a word that, that we see in the Bible that means people who weren't Jewish. And, and that was translated as such within the last few centuries. Uh, but the, the meaning of the word Gentile can also mean heathen. Paul's message to the heathens, those who don't believe, and that's most of our lineage. And this mission to the heathens, to the Gentiles, is one that would lead Paul into great opposition. And Pastor Sherry is going to get into that with us next week. As Saul, he had the Jewish pedigree. As Paul, he had privileges of a Roman citizen, including the right to a fair trial. And that would spare Paul's life more than once. These are the circumstances Paul was born into. But Saul also had a dedication to preparation. His devotion to his schooling would also serve him well, along with his tireless work ethic. When God opened a door, Paul was prepared to walk through it, although he didn't see the door coming. The combination of his circumstances and his preparation coalesced into an opportunity. Our circumstances are often out of our control. Right? Sometimes they're by God's design. Uh, sometimes our circumstances are shaped by our own choices. Sometimes our circumstances just are. That's part of the, part of the mystery. Preparation is our part. A couple weeks ago, I walked into Paisley. Uh, that's a coffee shop here in Kearney. And, and I was greeted by voices upstairs. If you've been into the great coffee store, there's kind of a little upstairs area. And uh, I walk in on two young women from our church, Tess and Riley, I'm like, oh, what, what you guys up to? They're studying the Bible. I'm like, on like a Tuesday. I'm like, what is happening? Can I have a hair sample so that I may clone you, please? Like, what is going on? Uh, and, and come to find out, they had been asked by a, by a mom here at our church to, to help lead a Bible study for young girls. This is amazing. See, their own dedication to God's word had prepared them for the opportunity to help pass that on to other young women. Prepare yourself so that when God opens the door, you can walk through it. I thank God for people like Riley and Tess that are willing. Uh, friends, I'm, I'm gonna take a pivot here and, and, and just share with you, I know I'm not the only one. I, I'm, I'm tired of seeing our community in the news for the wrong reasons. I don't think I'm the only one whose heart breaks hearing about people who aren't white being treated like no person should in our community. What do you need to do in order to prepare yourself to confront racist speech or actions? When that happens in our community, are we prepared to respond when we encounter it? As Christ's ambassadors, we have a responsibility to say this is not how you treat one of God's children and this has no place in our community. Friends, are you willing? Are you willing to act to make our community better? Are you willing to act as an ambassador of Christ? Friends, there's no shortage of opportunities for leadership. The willingness to make something better. The Bible tells us that we are Christ's ambassadors we have a part to play in aligning things on earth 
to be like things in heaven. And circumstances are God's part. Preparation is our part. That way, when an opportunity comes, when God opens a door, we can walk through it. And everybody said, amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to be here today, to hear from your word, to sing praises to you, and to celebrate the meal that you gave us to remember yourself by. God, we may not think of ourselves as leaders. We may not think we're in charge of a whole lot or that, that others look to us. But God, help us see the opportunities every day to act on your behalf. God, we thank you for the example of Paul, who you chose as an example of your great love. God, if you can use somebody who used to hunt down Christians, surely you can use us. So help us to look for those ways, big and small, where we can seize the opportunity. Help us to be willing to act, not just for our sake or, or uh, for our own reputations or our own lives, but for your sake, for the sake of our witness to the world, that we could show people what it means to walk in the way. Amen.